Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Brewers Talk, the Burton Albion podcast from the Burton Mail. Uh, with you a bit later than normal this week. Um, but I think perhaps for fairly obvious reasons, it's been a fairly hectic uh, seven days or so in the history of Burton Albion Football Club. There was ma- manager talk, transfer talk, and there was even uh, a vital championship victory in among that as well. Um, myself, Ashley Wilkinson, and Joshua Murray are with you today. Say hello, Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello, Josh. Oh, great oldest, gag. Oldest trick in the book. Great though. gag. Um, yeah, we're, we're here. Um, we're here on a Wednesday afternoon, just ahead of what will be tonight, or when you listen to this, probably last night's, or maybe even last Wednesday night's game against Fulham. Um, it's the way the fixtures have fallen and the way the podcast has fallen. We're having to do this um, a little bit out of, out of whack, but we're going to go on regardless. So if we do mention the Fulham game um, and Fulham have already played when you're listening to this, we do apologise. But Josh, I think we sort of have to start talking about, and we should also point out, no third man today. We're a two-man booth, not a three-man booth. We will soldier um, on. We will soldier on without without the award-winning Stephen Martin, um, as he loves to remind us. <laughs> We're only joking. We love you, Stephen. Um, we'll be, I think best to start with with Nigel Clough. Um, what's happened with him? Well, like you say, busy busy few days, isn't it? And it would have been nice to. Have, there's been several occasions where we thought we might have time to sit down and record a podcast, and then every time <laughs> we thought about sitting down to do it, something else has cropped up. Fairly time to sit down and write. Yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? Six days ago now, when we were recording this podcast, when uh, Nottingham Forest first came in with their first uh, approach for, for the Brewers boss, it was last last Thursday evening when, when the news broke that they were approaching the Brewers for permission to speak to Clough. Um, obviously, in the, in the coming days, it was it came out that the permission was granted, and, and Nigel Clough was, was allowed to speak to, to Forest. Uh, Clough then... Uh, uh, it emerged, spoke to uh, Forest owner Fawaz Al Hasawi on the Friday before the QPR game. Yep. Um, and then after the QPR game, which obviously the Brewers won, we'll get onto that later, gave quite an emotional post match interview, really. You know, you, you could tell, mm. as, as everyone said it, it sort of afterwards, you could tell even at that stage when he was, you know, he came out and he said, Look, I'm going to have a few days to consider my options. You could tell even at that stage that he was really, he knew what a difficult decision it was going to be either way. You know, mm. two clubs, the two clubs that probably mean more to him, um, you know, in football than any other. Um, we know about Nottingham Forest, him as a player, obviously what his father achieved there as a manager, and subsequently what he's achieved with the Brewers. Um, and it was just a case of playing the waiting game, really, to see what, what the decision would be. Um, and that decision came on, on Monday night, um, sort of late afternoon, early evening, wasn't it? That yeah, around, came out. R- r- yeah, um, around Yeah, that the, the Brewers boss had decided to turn down the offer to potentially move to, to the city ground and he would, he would stay with Burton Albion. and. Uh, you know, unsurprisingly, the, the sort of reaction was largely very, very positive from from Brewers fans. I think you know, probably quite a few were thinking that that, that was that, and, and Clough for a second time would be leaving the, the club. And Forest um, fans. And and well, yeah, the, I mean, the, that's something to get onto. I think Ash, you know, you talk about the Forest fans. That was one of the most interesting things in mm. a few days. You know, Burton Albion fans, the majority of them were, were saying, you know, we'd be gutted to see him go, but if he goes, he goes. You can understand the decision. A lot of Forest fans were saying, we would like to see Clough come to the City Ground. But not at the moment. With the current situation, you know, we've, we've seen the amount of managers that have come and gone at the City Ground. That, that there are 
you know, a lot of issues with, with Nottingham Forest at the moment. Um, and a lot of fans are saying we'd love to see him here, but at another time when he maybe wouldn't be sort of hamstrung, I suppose, by, mm. by these issues. And so I think the feedback, as you say, was, was largely positive from all sides. Well, I mean, you can understand. I mean, yeah, that's completely true. We spoke to um, a large number of Forest fans um, over the week or so, um, trying to sort of gauge um, their reaction to Clough potentially coming to the city ground and and, and the, the, almost the overwhelming consensus was that they would, they'd like to see Clough at the city ground but not under the current owner. Um, there are currently protests against uh, Fawaz al-Hasawi um, after a, a, a second takeover bid uh, collapsed in, in, in recent weeks. The American businessman John J. Moores wanted to, to purchase Nottingham Forest. The takeover bid fell through. Um, al-Hasawi's record with managers, he's, he's on his eighth manager eighth full-time manager when he does eventually hire someone um, in the four years he's been there um, and Stuart Pearce a, a Forest legend only lasted a matter of months in the post and I think a lot of Forest fans probably wondered will that happen to Clough as well um, and you can perhaps understand Clough being a bit reticent with that sort of um, all going on um, we've not had a chance to really speak to the Brewers boss at this time to sort of gauge what was the sort of overarching decision that made you um, reject Forrest to stay with Albion but he has said that he wanted to remain loyal to Burton Albion and he felt he had he, you know he's got a contract he wanted to see the job through and I just wonder Josh if those memories of 2009 were coming back to him when Burton were sitting pretty at the top of the conference they were ready to attack the football league Clough had set them up they couldn't possibly fail from there of course it was a bit of a nervy sort of end to the season under Roy McFarlane but I just wonder, Clough spoke to me um, in May um, after the Doncaster game. Remember, we were sat in the stands at, at, uh, at the Chemo Stadium long after the fans had gone. Um, we just sort of sat down, had, had a chat about things, and, and he, I, I sort of, I sort of asked him, "Do you feel that that you've almost come back and completed a job? You know, you left when a promotion was was halfway done. You've come back to Burton Albion halfway through a season and finished a promotion, a different promotion into the Championship." And he said he always perhaps regretted um, leaving Albion um, to join Derby and not seeing that job through particularly. Um, I just wonder, Josh, if, if yeah. that might have come back into his thinking um, I, I, with the Forest gig. I think I think certainly it would have had an impact, like you say. You know, potentially never will will fully 100% know exactly, you know, what factors came into to the decision he made. But I've no doubt that that will certainly have played on his mind. He knows sort of the, the situation that Burton Albion are, are in at the moment and. You know what a historic season it is. What a historic achievement it would be if, if they could stay in the division and, and mm. what a sort of platform it could put them on moving forward in the club's history yeah. if they were to survive. And and he would know full well, you know what his exit may have, you know the effect it may have had, and equally him staying that you know sort of the, the effect that that will have. And, and I'm sure that that would have come into it. He said, didn't he? Staying was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, you know that those were the lines that, that he used. And yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think they need to have looked in it. Have, known the situation that the club would have been in knows what he can achieve you, you mentioned I think after the game on Saturday <clears throat> that 2-1 win at QPR a really good performance that lifted them straight back out of the bottom three and you said that that might almost have a, a, another effect on his decision that might make it even harder to pull himself away from the Brewers because we saw a fantastic performance and now mm. you're potentially sitting back and saying you know what when when this team clicks and when we you know we can really compete in this division we belong in this division and, and I'm yeah. sure he wants to see the job done well, we'll get to that um, QPR game, which sort of did show that in great detail in a moment. But I mean, we were listening to um, 
Talksport on Monday because Fawaz Al Asawi, the Forest owner, was was on Talksport. Um, we, we, I think, we were both a bit surprised by Al Asawi's sort of admittance that um, he, he said something like in October he was telling the potential new American owners that Philippe Montagnier, the, the Brewers boss who, who who left in January. Does, you said Bruce. I did. I the Forest boss, Philippe Montagnier, um, who left who left uh, the city ground on January fourteenth. He was telling those prospective new owners that um, he needed to go as soon as October. Mm-hmm. And admitting that in public, when you're searching for a new manager, can hardly inspire confidence in those who are applying for your uh, who are applying to lead your club. Mm-hmm. Let alone his previous um, history with managers. So we, I think, we were both a bit surprised on that, weren't we? But yeah, yeah. Clough. Mm-hmm. You know, he met with Alisal. He, he seemed quite keen, and ultimately, does and what does that say for Burton Albion and to Ben Robinson that it was that 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 loyalty to the club that more than anything swung Nigel Clough's decision. Yeah, well, look, people point out, haven't they? You know, it's that the, the clubs at the moment almost in opposing situations. Burton Albion is, is probably one of the most sort of stable clubs. You know, in, in many ways, we've gone on and on about the relationship between Clough and Ben Robinson. Like you say, that will have had a huge, uh, you know, impact on his decision as well. And do we it, go on and on? Well, is, is, that, is, that, is that what we do? <laughs> well, we do probably about many things, mate. But, yes, yes, um, very true, very true. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll, and that welcome to the podcast. A, <laughs> that will have had a huge impact, and it does say a lot about his loyalty. I don't, I don't think anyone beforehand would have doubted his loyalty. And let's face it. If he'd gone to Nottingham Forest, that that would have been a decision for loyalty in a different way. He's got a loyalty sort of to the club, you know that that club's legacy. Yeah. Um, but no, certainly I think, and, and like I say, another factor to, to the decision is if he'd gone to Nottingham Forest, he was taking over, uh, you know, a, a, a relegation rival. Really, you know, Forest got a good win on on Tuesday night that's moved them, I think, sort of um, five points ahead of the Bruce. So they're looking okay at the minute, but they could potentially be in that relegation dogfight yeah. as well. And, and that would be, a, you know, talk about loyalty be very hard for, for any manager you know, to, to leave the club they've been at for so long to go to another club that could potentially be the club that down the line has to, to relegate them so um, yeah I think that, that loyalty to, to the Brewers was certainly s- s- symbolised in his decision and also you know, as we've said potentially the state at Nottingham Forest at the moment would, would have made an impact and, and what the decision that he made says about that Potentially I mean, the club did, did say he spoke to the Nottingham Post um, and, and, and did say that um, he would never say never for the second time. You know, yeah, in a matter of weeks, he said he would never say never about running Forest in the future. So, you know, what happens there is a wait and see. John, for now, he remains with Burton Albion, and as you say, Josh, keeping Burton Albion in the Championship, um, a task that edged ever nearer to sort of completion, I guess, with three points at the weekend, a second away win of the season. We'll just talk briefly about the QPR game and the QPR performance. A change in tactics, 4-2-3-1 the formation, very much favoured by Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank when he was um, Burton Albion boss. For now, um, you're looking, I mean you've got to be looking at that game as, as one of the best performances, certainly away from home of the season so far. It was nervy towards the end, obviously goal in the first half through Luke Murphy, stunning effort, bottom right hand corner, 30 yards out and then Lloyd Dyer makes it 2-0, 7 minutes into the second half. Um, with a lovely finish after a beautiful one-two with, with Lassa Vigan Christensen, who was making his debut on loan from Fulham. Um, Connor Washington gets one back, the much maligned Connor Washington. Um, I, made that, I made that point to the analysis, you know, he, he tore Albion to, to shreds in the FA Cup third ra- uh, first round last season, and he's not quite getting uh, the run of it at, at QPR, but he, he scored a good goal, um, and Albion held on. And 
more than anything actually as good as the front four played that front four of Jackson Irvine we'll go to him in a moment as we do every week Lasse Vigen Christensen and Lloyd Dyer with Marvin Sordell up front as well as they played it was actually the defensive performance that perhaps was crucial yeah yeah I, mean, I <coughs> wrote a piece about that, that earlier in the week and you know they were without Carl McFadden who's picked up a toe injury um, looks as if he'll still be out for us in another week or two with that he was out John Brayford went, went off you know, four minutes in with, with a knee injury, and um, which is likely to pull him out for sort of a, around a month as well. So, within sort of four minutes, two of the first choice defenders of, of throughout the season were, were off or weren't available. John Messina came on and, and, and turned in for me one of his best performances of the season. You know, difficult circumstances coming on with no warning like that so early in the game. You know, barely missed a header with brilliant came forward, cutting so many balls out. But like you say, the back four as a whole, and you know, you start start the season back three was the way they were going, and it worked. That started to get found out a bit, as we, we've seen in the last sort of six, eight weeks. They've shifted more, more and more consistently to a back four. And against Cardiff for 90 minutes until the 91st minute, it looked brilliant. Against QPR, similarly, um, they just aren't giving the same amount of chances away. They don't, they're not opened up as easily. They look more compact. Um, and then with those midfield two in front as well, it added. So yeah, it was, it was a brilliant defensive performance, and that was what won it them in the end, as, as you say. Um, and it's something that they're going to need to keep doing because they haven't kept a clean sheet since early November. Yeah. Um, you know, and that will come back to bite them if they don't end that record. And when you get those injuries to Brayford in the in in, the, in the, I think it was four minutes yeah, he yeah. went off. Well, I mean the collision was in the second minute. Um, and McFadden mm-hmm. who was ruled out. Yeah, Tom Naylor ruled out with injury as well. Um, you, you had that back four of effectively Tom Flanagan at right back, Damian McCroy at left back, Ben Turner and John Messino in the middle. Not Albion's first choice back four if that's what they are going mm-hmm. to play. Um, you put Brayford and McFadden in there certainly, um, but John Messina I thought had probably yeah. his best game of the season. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, like I said certainly for me one one of his best. I think he was you know, so composed. Um, like I say, in, in difficult circumstances to just get pulled on sort of so quickly with with no warning so early in a game, he was straight up to pace. Missed a couple of sort of headers where he came forward early on, but then got up to speed very quickly yeah. and, and barely missed anything. The only mistake he made, I could think, in the entire game was. Quite late on, he tried sort of a forward pass um, in his own half, gave it away. QPR actually broke, and John McLaughlin uh, came out and made a brilliant save. That was the only time a senior really put a foot wrong. And when you've got Ben Turner alongside you, such a you know such a physical presence and wins all those headers. Yeah. And you mentioned both fullbacks, you know Tom Flanagan um, started against Cardiff, started again. Um, you know he's really grown in confidence. I think with every performance. Um, and Damien McCrory, you know, pretty much when he's been called upon this season, um, which has been you know bitten and bobbing, but. Again, mm. sh- showing that he steps up division to division, he, he sort of adapts to the to the level. Really, what I find incredible about that is you mentioned um, on the saves John McLaughlin made there. Every single week we say, "Oh, John McLaughlin made a couple of good saves." We say that every single week, and I don't think perhaps John McLaughlin gets the headlines that he deserves because remember the games like Swindon at home last season, where oh, where where, where, where yeah, well, same. this is it. But you remember that for, for for those well those two saves because yeah, there, yeah, there, there yeah. was a great killed effort from I can't remember who it was. Um, from about 30 yards out that was in top right hand corner um, and he had to quickly do a little four step shimmy across his line and then dive to save it tip it over great save and then of course that one that Soccer AM said was better than Banks where he's running across his goal there's a point blank header and he, he manages to somehow claw it over the bar brilliant saves I don't think McLaughlin's quite getting the credit because he's coming to claim crosses he's confident with his punching and, and, and claiming um, he's organising his defence well in both the back three and back four. He's a championship goalkeeper. In, yeah, but yeah. by every conceivable measure, I can't think of. There's been one or two. Um, I think there were, 
one of the recent games he, he, he sort of he, he came for a cross I can't remember who it was well, based off the top of my week. He, came for, he came for a cross and then went back and that gave um, I think it might have been um, Preston a, a header a goal um, that, that ended up in the back of the net there's been one or two little mistakes from McLaughlin but nothing really other than that he has been well he has been as consistent as he has been in League 2 and League 1 yeah yeah. well this is it when you, when you and it's his first season at this level yeah yeah well that's the thing isn't it you know that's what we were sort of discussing over the summer you look at those bit now being players who've been through those sort of the back-to-back promotions and how they would adapt to a level they've never played at and, and quite a few have impressed you know we talked about Messier there talked about Lucas Aikens Matt Palmer it goes without saying yeah. but, but McLaughlin there's another one like you say who's, who's stepped up seamlessly really like you say you can think of maybe two maybe sort of three actually interestingly they've got Fulham tonight I sort of think the Fulham game back in September I think was sort of one where he had a shot blasted at him in the last minute and potentially would have hoped to claw it away rather than I think he sort of pushed it into the air and just clawed it back out didn't he yeah. Ryan Sess- and went straight to Sessegnon yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah you know, there's barely been a mistake all season. He's a pillar of consistency at the back. Um, impressive as well the way he's recovered from from that knock he had, where it sort of clashed with Jake Buxton in the Wigan game. You know, Oof, he had to yeah. had to come off at half time in that one, um, and has since just sort of slotted straight back in. That that's not shook him up at all. And and like you say, it's, it's moments like that against QPR on Saturday, two one, ten minutes to go. The Brewers deserved all three points so easily. Washington could have slid that through his legs or whatever. Two all. You know, it's a deflating point. Really, it would have been. Yeah. And those moments do get forgotten behind, you know, two great goals at the weekend, but they shouldn't because that save was just as important as, as the goals. Um, and like you say, that the way he's stepping up, uh, he's, you know, he is a championship keeper and, and he's proven it. Absolutely, absolutely. So I mean, QPR a, a good win in, in spite of everything that had gone on before yeah. and everything that was going on during with with the Nigel right Clough speculation. For me, that's that's a vital three points. And they looked they, they looked every inch a match for QPR, if not better. And I think that's crucial because QPR have got they have got some good players in there. You know, the, the junior Hoylet on the pitch who did, who did absolutely nothing. You know, Pavel Vasilak. Um, you know, how wide he threatened sporadically, but that that yeah. was it. Yeah. You know, they've got a lot of good players in there. At the back, they've got the likes of James James Perch. They look very shaky at the back. Though. They did they look, look shaky, very, the and that's, that's a credit to the Brewers, really. Yeah. Um, but no, no, I agree. I think it was a. It, any any way to sort of stop the rot really was going to be important. That you know they should have done it at Cardiff with a point. They didn't. Yeah. You know any result was going to be a good one. But there was just a confidence to the performance that had been lacking, an intensity. You yeah. Know, when they got in possession, it was more of a count rather than taking the game to a team. It was more counter attacking, but it worked. Um, and it, yeah, there was just a, a confidence, just a feel good factor that a win brings now. And they, they've got to bounce on. You know, it remains to be seen what happens tonight against Fulham um, and against Wolves at the weekend. But it, it just it did feel like a significant sort of this could be where the tides start to start to change it's going to have to be um, yeah. but yeah the, the, I think the, the intensity and the confidence with which they, they played um, is testament to, to sort of um, I think will, will prove remains to be seen but should prove I, I think a big point in the season for them. and uh, another big point of the season is now past the January transfer window transfer deadline day is done it is over thank thank everyone <laughs> Thank everything that that is over because, Josh, you know I'm no f- real fan of the January transfer window. It, it's great for the first few days, but then after a while you just realise, oh, everything's going down to deadline day. Wonderful, and then you know you end up writing up until sort of midnight. Um, but anyway, <laughs> enough of the worries me act. Burton Albion end January by bringing bringing in six new players. Now let's go through them in order. Marvin Sordell came in very, very early, first day in fact on New Year's Day. Um, after that, Luke uh, Varney came in also on a permanent deal. Luke Murphy came in on loan. 
um, the two Fulham lads, uh, Lasse Wagen Christensen and Corley Woodrow. Uh, and then last night, uh, last night as we record this, uh, Michael Kitely. What a signing that is. And I'm not just saying that because he was a staple of my promotion winning side on Football Manager um, <laughs> in the 17-18 season. Um, I'm not just saying it for that. What a signing he is. Michael Kiley, that, that Premier League, Championship class. Michael Kiley he's not really worked for him at Burnley this season he's you know nine appearances in, in in all competitions but there's no doubting his ability at championship level Josh is there we'll get on to the others in a moment of the January signings but Michael Kiley the last man to come in looked like a very very late deal where perhaps Kiley had been told late right you can go out if you need to and the Brewers swooped in and what a boost that could be for the rest of the season absolutely well let's face it as well you know talk about being a late deal I suppose we you know, nobody knew really until until Monday night whether Nigel Clough would, would still be the manager. Mm. So that, that probably had an effect as well. But they did fantastically to secure any deals after that, given given yeah. the, the short time they had, and they did it with Kiley. Like you say, not just Premier League and, and Championship experience. He's got three promotions from the Championship to the Premier League. I believe two with Burnley and one with Wolves, sort of back in two thousand and nine. And he himself has said that you know he's never really been involved in Championship relegation battles, but he hopes that the experience at the top end would, could, can sort of. You know, be used at the bottom end. Yeah, like you say, it, it remains to be seen. Sort of what, what, whether he'll play in, in whatever system the Brewers play. Whether that will, you know, there'll be a bit of a change in system now, given that he's sort of an out-and-out winger potentially rather than a, a wing back perhaps. But you know, a, a class signing and a real statement of intent. I think you know the Brewers added Woodrow and, and Christensen the other day, a couple of young prospects. Yeah. With with Kitely, not only do you get sort of the, the talent and the quality. But you're going to, again, something that Clough has gone on and on about, and that is the experience, I think, and the know-how that they're going to need in this relegation battle. And uh, and, he, and he brings all of those things. He does indeed. I mean, I'm just going to go through what Burton Albion's sort of front line looked like um, prior to January. Um, I'm just going to sort of run down the squad list now and just pick out any names that, that sort of stand out. So you, you had Chris O'Grady um, on loan from... Um, from Brighton. Brighton Hove Albion Lucas Aikens you can include him he's played up front this season Jamie Ward on loan from Nottingham Forest um, you're then looking at Stuart Bevan um, who obviously left on, on New Year's Day beyond that you're sort of struggling Marcus Denangus Will Miller, Will, Will Miller he's more of an attacking midfielder but, but yeah Will Miller's an option then you've got Marcus Denanger out, out on loan so you've got, you got maybe five players there potentially None of them with much championship experience. O'Grady and Ward are oh, your two there really, yeah. with, with, with the requisite championship experience. Of those sort of five, so O'Grady, Bevan, Ward, uh, Miller, and who was the other one, mate? Akins. Um, of those five, now all of a sudden, none of them are looking like the first teamers because Chris O'Grady didn't play. Um, against QPR didn't even make the squad because Albion had five loans with Will Miller in Miller himself isn't looking like a, a starting option Aikens was on the bench against QPR and he tends to play on the right wing anyway Jamie Ward has gone back to Nottingham Forest <sighs> it is suddenly you've got the likes of um, Christensen who can play in that sort of number 10 role you've got Woodrow who's come in you've got Kitely who can play up there you know further forward you've got Lloyd Dyer who's suddenly playing on the left hand side as well you know you've got all these options you've got Marvin Sordell who's leading the line very well who's got a bit more pace than Chris O'Grady and he's holding it up just as well suddenly Burton Albion's attacking options are looking more plentiful um, how much of that was down to the QPR victory you know it, it, it's perhaps up for debate, but I certainly think you know 
that, as I said earlier, that front four of Christensen on the right, Irvine in the middle, Jackson Irvine, who's yeah. looking fantastic as a sort of attacking midfield option, Lloyd Dyrant and Marvin Sordell. They didn't stop running all game, and there was some lovely little, little interplay between those four. Suddenly, Burton Albion's forward options are looking a lot more stocked. Yeah. The only problem is they've got seven loans now. There's a balancing yeah, act yeah, to be yeah. had here. Nigel Clough won't have taken this club over budget or anything like that. It's not in his nature. Ben Robinson wouldn't have allowed it. Um, but he did say they're going to give it a good go mm. in oh, January. Right, and they are sure giving they it a good go. All of, a, all of a sudden, Albion's attack looks completely different. And you've got Varney as well. Who, who's, Luke Varney, of course, you know, yeah. Basically, you know, feature for an hour on his debut, then got a punctured lung and a broken rib. Yeah. We'll be back probably in the next couple of weeks, and that bolsters it further. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree. The, the other thing as well is they they were sort of playing earlier in the season when Chris O'Grady was sort of your your first choice striker. They were playing often with two, but with him as a target man and going more direct, but also in that sort of three-five-two. Now that when they shifted to that system at the weekend, like we've, we've said, it was more of a counter-attacking style. Yeah. But it seemed to suit them. There's a lot of pace there. The nice Christensen, Irvine, Dyer, Sordell. Yeah. You know, a lot of pace there, and um, Kitely as well. You know, off, offers a decent amount. So. Pace, pace that they probably didn't have when they played Forest on the opening game of the season. Yeah, yeah other yeah. than Dyer. Other than Dyer, um, you know, Bevan, Bevan was you know reasonably pacey, but but not sort of uh, the quickest yeah. of, of strikers necessarily. O'Grady, obviously. So, yeah, I think that's it. I think certainly there's some pace out of there, and also it's just it's it's that variety. I think you know we know what O'Grady offers, and he's shown it this season. You know, it cannot be undermined what he's done this season. But what he doesn't bring you is. A knack for goals, you know. He scored one in however many, you know, twenty odd performance, you know, twenty mid twenties yeah. performances. I imagine this season. So is yet to go off the mark, but looks a real handful. Looks a real, real handful. And then you've got a lot of goal threats coming in there, as you mentioned, including Irvine, who's back from injury. So there is a sense that you know, a couple of times this season, the Brewers have had a couple of goal droughts that have gone on and on. That might not be as much of an issue. I mean, it remains to be seen. But there is a bit more variety there, a few more options. And like you say, when Nigel Clough looks to his bench now, and that's probably the key. Suddenly, it's not a case of, you know, what do we do? Suddenly, it's a case of, right, which option do we choose? You're not having to rely on the likes of, and I mean this with the greatest of respect, you're not having to rely on the likes of Miller or perhaps Marcus Harness, players who are, you know, young youngsters basically, yeah, yeah. who have come, you know, Harness has come through the academy system and, and for me, done very well when, yeah. in, in large spells, but not really someone you can rely on in, in a championship relegation scrap, unfortunately. And the other one as well is, you know, fans were, were not happy that Jamie Ward was sent back. Understandably, you know, yeah. at the time, Ward Ward had scored four in nineteen. He, yeah. he was arguably Albion's yeah, he was Albion's arguably most prolific forward. Well, he was Albion's most yeah, prolific yeah. forward, and arguably one of their most prolific players outside of Jackson Irvine. Um, but I think if you'd have said start of the window, okay, you'll lose J- Jamie Ward. Jamie Ward will be sent back to Nottingham Forest, but you'll bring in Marvin Sordell, Lassavagan Christensen, Corley Woodrow, Luke Varney, um, Jackson Irvine. We'll have a few weeks out, but he'll come back. Fit. You'd have taken that trade every day of the week, wouldn't you? And I think the position they're in now, heading into February, is much stronger than it was heading into January. It's all about it's all about squad depth, isn't it? You know, when you get to yeah. this point of the season, they've seen it potentially. Actually, you know, ironically, given that, that Nigel Clough has, has said all January, well, it's up front. We need to look not in defence. Now you've suddenly got Brayford who's out for a month or whatever. Carmen Fads maybe out for, for another game or two. But it's about having that squad depth. And about being able to call on different options, and when those injuries start to strike, or when you've got, let's face it, you know, in about three weeks' time, they've got a run of, you know, three games in a week, haven't they? When they've got Blackburn, Norwich, and, and Derby all in that, yeah. you know, you're going to need a squad for that. You can't put the same eleven out three three times in a, in a row and expect the intensity that the Brewers like to play at. So that's what they've added here. 
you know, Jamie Ward brought that himself, but like you say, it's almost a trade-off of, of one player, and obviously Stuart Ben has left as well for or six of six have come in, all of good quality, all of good experience. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think I think the squad at the moment, barring those injuries, you know, has certainly been strengthened and, and looks stronger for this part of the season than, than it has at any other point. Yeah, no, I'd, I, I absolutely agree, and. and it would just be nice, I guess, for the table to sort of reflect that. I mean, as we're, as we're sort of looking at it now, before the Fulham game, Burton are 21st um, in the table. The three points clear of Wigan Athletic, who have a game in hand, and a superior goal difference, it has to be said as well. Um, 28 points from 28 games. They're sort of just behind the track needed to, to get the 50 points that Nice Club wants to win tonight, of course, would, would make that um, look a bit more rosy. Um You've got teams above you, the likes of Bristol City and, and Queen's Park Rangers, who, who can perhaps be dragged into that sort of mire again. Nottingham Forest as well. Um, other than that, you're still looking at Wigan behind, and and then Blackburn Rovers as well, who are also on 25 points but have a worse goal difference. It's very very tight down there, isn't it, at the moment? And and as you say, that squad depth will be crucial if they're going to get the the amount of points they need. Um, mm. In, well, in in order to make fifty, the, when the you, twenty-two behind. When you consider that Wigan signed eight players on transfer deadline, day, oh right? goodness me! You know, talk about boosting a squad, and it can go one of two ways. It can give you a bit of a lift, and it can give you those options. Or actually, having so many new players coming in such a short space of time, it could take a while to gel. But yeah, the, the, I, I, I would imagine looking at those sort of sides at the bottom, Rotherham have got a real battle on their hands now. You know, their revival has sort of dimmed again. Blackburn, Wigan, the Brewers, Bristol, given the form they've been on, and then potentially. QPR or, or Forest could be dragged into it, but it, you're looking at three or two potentially from four teams now. So yeah. it's, it's going to be a battle, isn't it? Very, very possibly. But I mean, at the, at the same time, you've got Ipswich and Wolves who, who are sort of ten points clear of Wigan. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're largely safe. But dare I say, and I tweeted this last night. Dare I say, Birmingham City? They've got a real buffer, but they have got a real buffer. They're, they're currently. I mean, they've not won since Gary Rowett left. Um, one, two, three, four, five defeats and three draws in that time. They're on 37 points at the moment. They are 12 clear of Wigan. with um, And they've played 29 games. They've actually played two more than Wigan. It's not impossible. If this run keeps going on, you, you never know. Because you could no, always do a reverse Barnsley. But it's... Why, 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 why did they, did they well, get rid of Gary Rowett? It... It's the question we ask every single time we see a Birmingham City result come in at the moment. And I've, I've said to you, Josh, I've got a great amount of sympathy for their supporters at the moment. Oh, yeah. Because it, why on earth that decision was made? Pat, Pat, Pat The excellent Pat Murphy um, from BBC, he was on um, Five Live Sport on Monday night and he, and he made the point of saying, you know, there, there were owners chasing, there were autograph hunting owners. They wanted a big name because they were dazzled by by Zola's name, and they wanted him in charge. And Gary Rowett doesn't have that sort of that sort of X factor, if you like. What well, Gary Rowett does have, and um, there was um, a point made in that sort of five live um, discussion that that Birmingham City sort of ground out wins, but but that's what they did. Bird Nalbin did on Gary Rowett, and, and it worked. It led to two playoff finishes. You know, three points is three points. Three points is yeah. three points at, at the end of the day. Um, but there we go. Sorry, it, it, I've sidetracked us there. We have sidetracked, yeah. but, it's, it, but but this is he's a former bit of manager, so I guess we can it falls under our remit. But uh, yeah, I, I think they're a bit too far up the table to be dragged into it now. Nine defeats, ten draws. No, nine wins, ten draws, ten defeats. 
from their 29 games, I think they're a bit too far away. But for Burton Albion, there's still plenty of teams around them who can be dragged a bit further into the mire. Bristol City, Queensville Rangers, Nottingham Forest, as we say. And, well, the Brewers go to Fulham tonight. We won't mention that I game. I hope they don't go to Fulham. Otherwise, we need to... <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're, the car. we're recording this. We're, we're recording this at 5-4. to four. Um, Yeah, we're looking at about sort of 3-4... Yeah, we're we're looking now at about a, th- a three four hour trip in London rush hour. We're not going to make it for kickoff, so th- they are at the Pirelli Stadium tonight or last night, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, depending on what happens there, Josh Burton could certainly pull themselves away from from Wigan quite nicely and be six points clear of them. They'll have two games in hand, but the pressure re- reverts onto Wigan yeah, yeah. then to win both of those games in hand. I'm amazed, you know, as you said, eight signings on transfer deadline day. Um, you know, Nigel Clough must must have looked at those sort of incomings. I'll try and get a list up. But Omar Boggle was was a name mentioned by um, by a lot of Burton Albion fans as someone they'd like to see come in. And Wigan were just able to say, "Yep, is nine hundred thousand pounds. We'll sign Omar Boggle from from League Two. That's not something Burton Albion can do. And yet, the st- it's another sign, is it not, of the unbelievable strides this club have made against the sort of you know Wigan finished two points ahead of of, of Burton Albion last season and spent so many so much money in the January transfer window to bring the likes of Ryan Colclough in for example you know one I mean eight players on transfer deadline day it's just I'm looking at the list here um, Omar Bogle Matt Gilks Mikel Mandron Josh Loron Jack Byrne Gabriel Obertan Alex Bruce and James Weir all coming in and some big names in there yeah, yeah. what <laughs> it was always going to be what Burton Albion were going to be you know battling against this season wasn't it and that's like you say so that we're going to we're right down there you know let's not even get on to the likes of Aston Villa and the money they've spent on oh. strikers and you know Scott Hogan, Scott Hogan, who we thought would be West Ham bound, who was very, very impressive for Brentford, yeah, yeah. has gone to Villa. Um, this is it, isn't it? You know, and, and that's you know their sides further up the division. This is what the Brewers are up against, and I think they relish it. To be honest, I think Nigel Clough, I think Ben Robinson, and I think the players themselves actually, yeah, relish yeah. it. Relish the fact that they're that what they could achieve. As to the fans, um, yeah, and, yeah, and the fans as well. Uh, you know that gulf that they're, they're trying to overcome. And this is what they need to do, you know, ultimately you always want to be the team with the points in the bag rather than the ones with the game in hand and they have an opportunity tonight against against Fulham. Again, you know, by the time you listen to this, who knows what <laughs> might have happened. Um, we can't emphasise enough how much that game might have been yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were this is it. It could have you know, you might be listening to this podcast now in a really positive frame of mind or potentially not. But one thing to, to point out obviously is that the two Fulham uh, Loneys, Woodrow and, and Christensen can't play. Yep. Um, but they could be back in for Wolves. Yes, and neither can Kitely. He might be in to make his debut against Wolves. So that's three Loneys, all who, you know, with good calibre who won't be there. So again it might be a little bit of chopping and changing. Um but, you know, a big game tonight and a big game on big game on Saturday against a side who like you say could potentially still be dragged into it and you know certainly should the Brewers win against Wolves that, that might happen but um, no just a case of got to get the points on the board I think um, sooner rather than later and, and then make Wigan and, and Blackburn and whatever do, do the chasing and you know if they do that successfully then, then you have to take your hat off yeah absolutely and uh, I think that is uh, just as good a place as any to wrap up Josh um, thank you very much for listening to this uh, third episode of Brewers Talk don't forget we want to get you involved um, if you would very much like to Come on the Brewers podcast and talk Brewers. We've had a couple of responses already. We'll be looking to work through those um, perhaps in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, do email us at um, ashley.wilkinson at bertamel.co.uk 
I'm joshua.murray at burtonmail.co.uk. Do let us know if you'd like to come on the podcast on Brewers Talk from the Burton Mail. This was the third episode. We're now off to the Pirelli Stadium to watch uh, Burton Albion take on Fulham. Here's hoping for three points from that. And why not? Let's hope for three points against Wolverhampton Wanderers on Saturday. Um, don't forget, you can subscribe to us. We're waiting to see what happens with us on iTunes. We promise you that's coming soon. Um, but otherwise, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure.